Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We bless and honor you, Lord. For all that you've done for us, we give you praise and glory. Thank you. Please accept our worship this evening. In Jesus' mighty name, we have worshiped. Amen and amen. Good evening, everyone, or good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are on the face of the earth. Thank you for joining us at our midweek Bible study called Thrive, and you are welcome. This is God's favorite house, and our Bible study usually holds on Wednesdays, starting at 6 p.m., and you are welcome on the channel wherever you're joining us on. If today is your first time joining us, please give us a thumbs up and the online pastors will be more than happy to give you a warm welcome. Would also like to invite you to join us at um, God's Spirit House HQ or wherever you are on the face of the earth where God's Spirit House is located on, uh, at our worship experiences on Sundays by 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Welcome again to everyone. So last week, we got to part 14 of the book of James, part 14 already. And sorry, this week we're in part 14. Last week was part 13. And Pastor Bolaji told us in part 13, one of the things he mentioned, which stuck with me, was that while we wait for the return of Christ, we must continue to work. While we wait for the return of Christ, we must continue to work. This week we'll be looking at verses 13 to 18 of chapter 5 in the book of James. Now during the course of the teaching, if you have any questions, kindly note them down and at the end of the teaching we'll be more than happy to take your questions. So we'll kick off by reading from James chapter 5 verses 13 to 18. I'm reading from the Living Bible version. Verse 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? He should keep on praying about it. And those who have reason to be thankful should continually be singing praises to the Lord. Is anyone sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they should pray over him and pour a little oil upon him, calling on the Lord to heal him. And their prayer, if offered in faith, will heal him. For the Lord will make him well. And if his sickness was caused by some sin, the Lord will forgive him. Verse 16. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. Verse 17. Elijah was as completely human as we are. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for the next three and a half years. Then he prayed again, this time that it would rain, and down it poured, and the grass turned green, and the gardens began to grow again. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So when... As I started reading um, this 
this portion of the scripture, it was quite interesting to me that the subtitle was the power of prayer. The power of prayer. So let's look at verse 13a. It says, is anyone among you suffering? That's the Living Bible version. Is anyone among you suffering? The easy to read version says, is anyone having troubles? The, the NLT says, is anyone suffering hardships? He should keep on praying about it. It's interesting. The Bible doesn't say keep on complaining that, oh, this is not working. That one is not working. This one is not good. Things are hard. Things are difficult. No, it says keep on praying about it. Keep on praying about it. Why? You know, we see that in verse 16b of the same James chapter 5. It says, the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. The King James Version puts it this way. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So that means prayer is indispensable. You can't replace prayer. Prayer is prayer. Prayer is needed. Prayer is needed in, in this life on this side of eternity that we find ourselves. And as believers, we must learn to cultivate the habit of praying, praying over and about everything. There is nothing that is insignificant. Pray before you take a bath. Pray when you want to get dressed. Pray when you get to the office. Pray when you get to your place of business. Pray when you are sitting down. Pray standing. Pray in the kitchen. Pray in the car. Pray in the bus. Pray on the Okada. I entered Okada recently. My goodness. I prayed so much that when I came down, the man said, Madam, I shall say, no, you sit down on top of this bike. I said, no, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit that was just holding me on. You know, but pray. That's what the Bible encourages us to do. It says, pray. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. Wonder, there's an assurance for a wonderful results. So are you suffering or going through troubles or having difficulties or in a, in, in currently in a place of hardship? Bible says pray about it. Pray and seek the face of God and say, God, what are you trying to teach me here? What, what should I learn in this situation? How should I come out of this Mary clay? How? What should I do? What do I need to know? And indeed, God will answer us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Because heaven answers to the highest bidder. So I'd like to encourage us to make prayer a lifestyle. Because prayer keeps you in constant communication with God. In constant communication. Just have that conversation with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm about to go out now. Watch where should I go at this time? Should I even be here at this time? What should I say? Should I speak or should I be quiet? You know, you just cultivate it. Initially, people around you, when you're having these conversations, they may just wonder, who are you talking to? But you know, you know who you are talking to. I'm not saying that we should now, you know, just be talking endlessly, no. But sometimes you do that prayer in your heart and the Holy Spirit response is, is so close to us, closer than we can ever imagine. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. And you know, because prayer keeps us in constant communication with God, our voices are registered in heaven. So prayer registers your voice in the spiritual. Because you're constantly speaking, your voice is recognized. Your voice is recognized. And we're going to go deeper into that as we proceed in the teaching. Verse 13b 
says, and those who have reason to be thankful should continually be singing praises to the Lord. That's what the Living Bible version says. The NLT says, are any of you happy? You sing praises. You know, it's interesting that the Bible says, sing praises when you're happy or you have a reason to be thankful. So regardless of how your voice sounds, it's not quite auditioning. Regardless of how your voice sounds, remember that it is God who created you, so he knows how your voice sounds and is interested in hearing your voice sing to him. So you sing your hallelujah to God. You know, as the songwriter puts it, my hallelujah, it belongs to you. All of my praises, it belongs to you because only God deserves the praise. Psalm 22 verse three, Psalm 22 verse 3 says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. So God is the only one that deserves our praises. And guess what? When we sing and praise God, he comes to inhabit our praises himself. Himself. That's what the Bible says here. Let me read it from the um, ERV version. That's the easy to read version. Psalm 22 verse 3. It says, God, you are the holy one. You sit as king upon the praises of Israel. So if you put your name there, you can say, God, you are the holy one. You sit as king upon the praises of Morolake. So put your name there. God, you are the holy one. Then try and visualize a king sitting down and accepting your praises. You can, because God comes to inhabit these praises himself. He blesses us. He blesses us. And as we sing, our singing voices are registered as well in the spiritual. So regardless, just find something to be grateful about to God. Just find something in your heart. Being alive, being alive, being healthy is more than enough reason to sing praises to God. And as we sing, our voices and our praises will be acceptable to our Father and our King. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we move on to verse 14 to 16. It says, is anyone sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they should pray over him and pour a little oil upon him calling on the Lord to heal him. And their prayer, if offered in faith, will heal him. For the Lord will make him well. And if his sickness was caused by some sin, the Lord will forgive him. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. So here we see that there is sickness that, you know, may just happen maybe because of changing weather, allergies, you know, malaria, typhoid, you can name it those kind of sicknesses. So if you have those kind of sicknesses, you can come to the elders of the church and they will pour a little oil, as the Bible says, and they will offer a prayer for God to heal you. But then there is, there is another category of sickness that can be caused by sin. Because it says in verse 15, it says that 
if his sickness was caused by some sin, the Lord will forgive him. The Lord will forgive him. So for that person to be healed, such a person has to confess what he or she has done. Because when there is no confession, then the healing doesn't happen. We see that in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. It says, whoever tries to hide his sins will not succeed. But the one who confesses his sins and leaves them behind will find mercy, confesses and leaves them behind. Yes, what you did was wrong. On this side of eternity, we are human and sometimes we err. But the Bible says, confess it and leave it. Confess it and leave it. Leave that lifestyle behind so you can find mercy. So the question I wrote down here is, is it everybody you should start confessing your sins to? You see, Mr. A, ah, this is the sin, oh, Mr. B, this is the sin, oh, Mrs. C, this is the sin, oh, no, 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 no. These are my thoughts. The Bible says that a sick person goes to meet the elders for prayer. And during the course of the prayer, they realize that, okay, this sickness, this affliction was actually caused by sin. Then you confess it to the elders that are praying for you at that time, you know, and it, it, it made me remember a story that um, Papi shared some time back of a sister who had some form of sickness. And, you know, prayer people gathered together to pray for her. And it was revealed that she was holding someone in unforgiveness, I think her dad or so. And they told her, you need to forgive him so that this sickness can go. And she said, never. So, continue to carry the sickness now. She was happier carrying the sickness than letting go. Meanwhile, the person that you are even holding in unforgiveness, that one has moved on with life. And you are standing in the place of unforgiveness. I pray that God will heal every heart that needs healing right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So the point here is that she was in the midst of elders, in quotes, because the prayer warriors in this case represented elders because they were interceding for her. So they knew what was going on because it was revealed. So they were positioned in the spirit to intercede for her. Because that's what the Bible says, that the elders, by faith, they will pray and God will forgive and heal the sickness. But in her case, she threw away the opportunity. She threw it away and chose to carry the sickness. But I'm praying that God will, will send us elders that would help us if we are in any of such a situation. And as everyone releases themselves to the leading of the spirit, that every sickness that has come by virtue of such sin will be cleansed and healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So the Bible is saying, confess and get healed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we'll move on to verse 17 and 18. Bible says that Elijah 
was as completely human as we are. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain should fall, none fell for the next three and a half years. Then he prayed again, this time that it would rain, and it poured, and the grass turned green, and the gardens began to grow again. So now, um, I want to share an, an analogy here. For you to start a business, you need capital, money. For you to, um, for you to attract a certain kind of people to an event, you need to have social capital with such people. For you to be able to balance your relationships, you need to have emotional capital. Elijah here, even though the Bible says he was completely human, he has what I call spiritual capital. So whilst the Bible is trying to tell us that as a human being, he was able to do this, but he did not just do it. Just wake up in the morning and say, no rain should fall, I know. He had built up spiritual capital. So Elijah had loads of spiritual capital that he had accumulated over time. His voice was recognized in heaven, which is what we started off with. Praying, praying earnestly, fervently, persistently. It registers your voice in the spiritual. So Elijah's voice was recognized such that when he speaks, heaven just responds. Verse 17 says, he prayed earnestly that it should not rain and it did not rain for three and a half years. Three and a half years. That is a clear sign of a person with solid spiritual capital. You know, like the Yorubas will say, three and a half years. I don't even want to begin to imagine it. God forbid. Three and a half years with no rain. The lakes dried up. The grasses turned brown. Everything was dying off because one man spoke. Because one man's voice was recognized and, 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 and responded to in the heavenlies. One man, it will not rain except at my word for three and a half years. And, and everything began to die off. The lakes dried off, the brooks dried off, all the waters began. The livestock, they were looking for how to feed them because one man spoke. One man spoke and heaven put a stamp on it. And he created automatic farming for the whole land because he spoke. Because one man spoke, one human being. But he wasn't an ordinary human being. He had built up spiritual capital. He had built up spiritual capital. Think about it. What is your spiritual capital? Because I'm also pondering on that. What is my spiritual capital? What is my spiritual capital? What is your spiritual capital? I want us to look at another example of someone who had solid spiritual capital. His name is Joshua. The story 
I'm about to share is in um, Joshua chapter 9 and 10. We can go back and read it later on. But the summary is this, you know, as the children of Israel were taking up land, all the people around them were afraid, and the Gibeonites, they just said to themselves, hmm, these Israelites, when they come to attack us, they will take over our land. Let us pretend that we are coming from a very far place. They put dust and did carried stale bread and all whatnot. And they went and said, oh, we're from a very far place. And the Israelites entered into an agreement with them not to destroy them, only to find out later that they had been deceived. So they said, okay, since we've already agreed that we will not destroy you, Whilst we don't destroy you, become our slaves. And the Gibeonites were very, very happy with that agreement, you know. But as soon as the Gibeonites, you know, agreed, entered this agreement with Joshua, the Israelites, five kings rose up against them and said, ah, these people have gone to make an agreement with the children of Israel. Let us gather and go and fight them. Now, those five kings thought they were going to fight the Gibeonites, but did not understand that because the Gibeonites had entered an agreement with Joshua, as the children of Israel, in quotes, they had gone under the cover of the children of Israel. So now they had Yahweh covering them as well. So at the point when the five kings said, let's go and attack Gibeon, the Gibeonites ran to Joshua and said, See, oh, you promised you would take care of us. See these five kings, they are coming to fight us. And Joshua got up and they marched from Gilgal. They marched to Gibeon to go and fight these five kings. Now, these five kings were trained soldiers. The children of Israel, you know, they're just coming out from um, slavery but they were not afraid they went to fight and god fought for them and i'm praying that the god of the heavenly armies will raise up armies to fight on our behalf in the mighty name of jesus amen i'll read quickly from joshua chapter 10 verse 12. it says on that day the lord gave israel the victory against the amorites Joshua stood before all the Israelites and said to the Lord, Sun, stop over Gibeon. Moon, stand still over the valley of Aijalon. So it wasn't just the sun that Joshua commanded to stop. He also commanded the moon. And he was very specific as to where the sun should stay and where the moon should stay. He said, sun, stop over Gibeon, where we are busy fighting. Moon, stay in Ajalon. What does that mean? So if the sun stood over Gibeon longer than it should, that means the moon stood over Ajalon longer than it should. So if there was an extra day added, daylight added to Gibeon, extra night was added to Ajalon casualty of war. The Ijalon people will probably have had, you know, things that they had planned to do. Oh, tomorrow I will go to the farm. Tomorrow I will go to run my business. Tomorrow I will get to the office. All of that plan cancelled at the voice of one man. One man fighting a battle that 
he inherited because he took on the Gibeonites. One man spoke and extended daylight in one area and extended nighttime in another area. Um, CMN, please, can you put up the first um, map? And that map shows us where Aijalon is. Aijalon is a valley land and Gibeon is a hill country. So we see where Aijalon is and we see where Gibeon is and all the places in between and all the places in between. And when I Googled, they said the distance of Gibeon to Aijalon is approximately 37.2 kilometers. So we're talking about um, a distance of like Aoyaya to Victoria Island. So whilst Aoyaya was on a hill land, Victoria Island was on a valley. And down, down Aoyaya, the sun was shining. Down, down Victoria Island, it was darkness with moon. So just picture it in your mind. Just picture it in your mind. Sun, you wake up in the morning and at, it's supposed to be morning. I mean, you look at the time, it's supposed to be morning. How come it's still dark outside? Is there an eclipse? There's no eclipse. But the moon is standing still because one man, one man, one man said, moon, don't go anywhere. Sun, don't go anywhere. Of course, we know from um, the scientists say that it is the earth that rotates around the sun and blah, blah, blah. Whatever, however they want to do it. The sun shall stood still and extended daylight in Gibeon. And, ex and the moon stood over Aijalon and extended night times. Indeed, we will not be casualties of war in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, so I was just thinking, why, why would the moon stand still at Aijalon? And, you know, if you can put up the second map now, we'll see that all the other, um, the other kings, where they were coming from, the, the king of Hebron, Eglon, Lachish, Jerusalem, you know, they would have mostly passed through Aijalon to get to Gibeon. So there was no way they could even get reinforcement. There was no way they could get reinforcement. So they were, so Aijalon was kept in darkness. All that region was kept in darkness till Joshua was done fighting. That's what Yoruba people will say, which means someone came to look for your trouble and then another person rises up and fights for you. Fights so much that the owner of the initial problem takes off like, ah, 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 what did I do now? I just wanted to look for small trouble and you just came up with hailstones because God rained hailstones on the five kings, rained serious hailstones and killed more than even Joshua's army did. And that is what I call high spiritual capital. A voice recognized in the spiritual. Son, don't even shift. Stay where you are. Stay where you are. Stay where you are. Moon, don't move an inch. And just like Elijah, rain, don't fall. And the rain did not fall. Now, unlike the sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19, verse 13, Acts 19, 13, we just read quickly, says a team of ignorant Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out demons, planned to experiment by using the name of the Lord Jesus. The incantation, the, the incantation they decided on was this, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. 
Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. But when they tried it on a man possessed by a demon, a man possessed by one demon, the demon replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And he leaped on two of them and beat them up so that they fled out of his house naked and badly injured. They had no spiritual capital. And so when they were saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches and by Paul, I mean, it, I, this version made me laugh because it's so, so hilarious. Like, let's come up with an incantation that we'll be saying when we go out. Just because you think you're a Jew, you can just be making incantations. No. I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Lorira. <laughs> Mission impossible. The demon beat Shege out of them. And you know, the statement itself shows that they're not even believers because they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't. So they had no spiritual capital. Because if they believed in Jesus, they would have said, in the name of Jesus, whom we believe. No, they said, is in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Somebody else is preaching that name. Then you are brewing up a nice incantation to use. It can't work. And you know, clearly their motive was wrong and God did not allow it to work because if God had allowed it to work, that's all. They would just open shop and say, yeah, come. We can cast out any demon. Come and be pain. But God did not allow it to work. So the question is, what is your spiritual capital? It's, I mean, it's serious food for thought. What is your spiritual capital? So very quickly, we'll look at how can you build up your spiritual capital? How can I build up my spiritual capital? And once again, I will be adopting the wealth wheel with permission. And the wealth wheel, if you don't know, it's all about the covenant, the mindset, and practices. So the covenant here is John 3, 16 to 18 it says yes God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him would not be lost but have eternal life God sent his son into the world he did not send him to judge the world guilty but to save the world through him people who believe in God's son are not judged guilty but people who do not believe are already judged because they have not believed in God's only son Matthew 14:24, the NLT version says and he said to them this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. So this is the covenant that we have as believers. And once we are believers and we enter this covenant, our mindset needs to shift. Our mindset needs to change. You know, and as Papi taught us on Sunday in the teaching travel light, he said, Jesus carried the weight so that you and I can travel light. So brothers and sisters, it's time to travel light. So we'll look at the mindset. In the, and in the mindset, we're going to adopt two mindsets from the wealth wheel to buttress our points. Number one is the covenant mindset. Romans 12, 2 says, do not allow this world to mold you in its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind 
and as a result, you will be able to discern what God wills and whatever God finds good, pleasing and complete. So transformation begins in the mind, a renewed mind that connects and discerns God's will, align with the will of God. And the second mindset we're looking at is the growth mindset. And I take a quote from um, the teaching papi he said to have a growth mindset means you think that with work your skills and capacity can improve over time to become whoever you dream of being so it is imperative we can see here as believers there is a necessity for us to continue to grow study to show yourself approved keep on praying and keep on growing aim for more elijah had grown and that's why he could confidently place such a demand. Rain, don't fall. And rain did not fall. Rain, fall. And then rain started to fall. You know, and as Papi also taught, I say, learn from a mentor. It will help you go further, faster. And the, you know, the scripture he shared was Proverbs 13, 20, the voice version. It says, one who walks with the wise becomes wise. But whoever keeps company with fools only hurts himself. Grow spiritually. We'll look at one or two practices. Number one, pay the price. Verse 16b says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's the KJV. The NLT says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And the Amplified says, The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man or a believer can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. So there is a price to be paid in the place of prayer and fasting. And I am so super grateful to God for planting me in God's favorite house and giving us an amazing leader as Papi because he shows us this is how you can grow in the place of prayer and fasting. So when people start to tell me, ah, that your church, people are saying fasting. Ah, no, I should not fast. What should I do? Go and look for a native sponge and soap and be bathing in Babbage in the night. No, I will stay in the place of prayer and I will keep connected to the great I am. Because even if you go and bath in the middle of night with native soap and sponge, it is not one off. You will continue to do it. So there is a price to pay for everything. So you choose the right one. Choose the right one. So I am choosing God today. Who are you choosing today? And I'm sure that you're also choosing God as well. And even as we've chosen God today, he will help us grow in the mighty name of Jesus. And the second one and the final one I'm going to talk about is connect with people. Connect with other believers because iron sharpens iron. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10. The easy to read version says, Two people are better than one. When two people work together, they get more work done. If one person fails, the other person can reach out to help. But those who are alone, when they fall, they have no one to help them. So this is a call for you to join the workforce in church. Join a life group. Connect with other believers. Stop doing life solo. Stop doing life solo. Connect with other people where you can pray together, you can share scriptures together and you can grow in experiences together. And God will bless us as we do so because indeed we are better 
together. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And at this time, we have come to the end of the teaching. Praise God. And we will be um, welcoming Papi. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, so while we're waiting for Papi to join us, um, I'm just going to reiterate, you know, this last part of connecting with people. We need to connect with people because when you connect with people, you grow. When you hear that someone else has prayed and somebody got healed, it's a ginger you. When you see in the community, everyone is fasting. I'm telling you the truth. It is easier to fast in the community when there's a community fast than to fast alone. But when you join the community fast, it helps you in your individual fast. So there's God to do it again. Everybody is fasting. Uh, we join tomorrow. I will join next tomorrow. I will join next week. I will join in the last week. I will join in the last day. And then the thing is over. Before you say Jack Robinson, it's one day is fast. It's gone. So what are we trying to say here today? Connect. Don't do life alone. We are better together. We are stronger together. If one person falls, the other person can reach out. So that if you're having a challenge, because you're connected to the workforce or you're connected to your life group, there are people there that are loving and caring and are saying, I'm willing to share life with you. Tell me what the issue is. There is nothing that is new. Nothing is new under the sun, nothing. There's no drama that you're facing that somebody else has not faced before. And they say, it is the horse in front that the one at the back is going to follow. So if the horse in front has tripped over a stone, why do you want to trip over the same stone? The horse in front will show you, I tripped over the stone, no, don't trip over it. So you can jump over the stone because we're better together. Let's stay connected as a family. Stay connected with God's favorite house and God will bless us for it in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. The earnest prayer, the earnest prayer, the earnest prayer. So how can we be praying every day at every time? Say pray at all times without ceasing. Don't stop, make it a lifestyle. Keep on praying. And as you pray, God, your voice is registered. So that when you say, like Elijah, rain, don't fall. Ha! Heaven will just say, hold the rain. Please don't pray rain should not follow. Pray that, you know, great things will happen. You know, Nigeria will become greater. You know, the dollar price will go down. Naira will go up. You know, things like that. Let's be confessing those kind of things. And our voices, as it is registered in heaven, God will attend to us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let's welcome Papi in the house. Welcome. Good evening, sir. Thank you. Hi, Pastor Paul. Well done. 
Thank you, sir. God bless you. Amen. Amen and amen. So I have a question. And my question is actually not um, about this teaching today. I think I have another one on this teaching today. But there was one that, you know, I wanted to ask you. It's about travel lights. Can I go ahead? <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay, so you quoted a scripture, Ecclesiastes 4, 6. Ecclesiastes 4, 6, it says, better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. You know, so I started to think there are families that have bills to pay. The household is real, you know, and I, I know that you're not asking people to become lazy. I should be, Papi said we should have a handful with quietness than to be chasing wind. Hey, it's only a handful that we have. We keep on struggling with our handful. I know that that's not what you're saying. However, how can you expand more, you know, like how can people balance the realities of, you know, having to do extra to earn more just to meet up bills and chasing the wind? Hmm. I think that if it's working hard to um, meet the um, bills that is things that are necessary um i think that that is um like basic like like that is i mean a given that is um um, um like foundational so god expects us to you know so but because of the economic condition sometimes what I hear you say is meeting those basics require uh, working super extra hard over 26 hours, if they were 26 hours, you know? And, and I hear you, and that is, that is um, the reality of, of a lot of people, or some or a lot of people, you know? Uh, however, one handful living is, is actually a mindset. It's a mindset. So while that is the case, that mindset still allows them to create margin in their lives. So for instance, that mindset could say, this Christmas, there's no Christmas good. But there's, no comment. but there's Christmas chicken. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just giving, I mean, an illustration. I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. Yes, so um, to create that margin. So for, for also, I mean, if you, if you pay, pay that, of course, I'm sure you pay attention to the teaching. Um, um, we, 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 we talked about clearing out so even such even such people you'll be shocked at the clutter they have in their home in their homes you you'll be shocked at the clutter they have in their homes a lot of us hold on to things that we we shouldn't hold on to then that's the but two number three would be 
there are people that the new um the new wealthy like someone said like i was watching a video the new wealthy has changed so so in the in the for the boomers for the baby boomers and 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 the earlier generation the, the wealthy means you have um, a designer house designer car you have uh, designer clothes you are wearing and you are um can you still hear me okay yes i can hear you okay oh yeah and 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 all that new wealthy means that you free up your life so that you can spend time with your children you can spend time with your family you can you can play with your children instead of working five um, jobs you work too so that you free up the time to be with the people that matter most mm -hmm. to you you know to 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 play on the beach to roll on and you are doing that with a t-shirt and and the jeans and, and and your jeans and you're and you're fine you know mm -hmm. so when the expectation of oh until i get this car or until i have this house or goes and you actually set your priorities right which is the, the the life of a man does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. He possesses. Mm. So you free up your life. It frees up your time, and you can actually have a handful living, regardless mm. of where you are on the economic scale. You can, and you can have a cluttered living, regardless of where you are on the economic scale. Mm. You know, I don't want to. I mean, you know, when I used to um pastor in a certain way where uh, visitation was priority you know and you know and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a pastor that does visitation a lot you know but the few i have done i've been to certain people's houses that i know they are struggling financially but the house is packed with junk you know mm. It's packed with junk. So obviously I'm not talking about you because I've not been to your house. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever is watching, but I'm just saying that you know, uh, a handful living. I hope that helps. Yes, sir. absolutely. It it does help. A handful living, you know, and as you were speaking, the cluttering, you know, you have things you have not used for six months. Bring it, let's give it to, let's do it, let's use it for everything for 50. There are people that would appreciate it and will say, ah, this one is new to me, oh, this is new to me, but it's old to you. And you know, as we were speaking, I remember when we were moving houses recently. My goodness, my goodness, I didn't realize how much stuff was inside that house. You know, and we're just sending messages. Who wants this? Who wants that? Who wants this? Who wants that? Come and take. Because there was someone that gave me an advice, said, you're moving to a new house. Oh. You see your kitchen. You see all those plastic bowls? Don't carry them, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a good laugh. But when I brought out all the plastic bowls, I was like, my goodness. My goodness. And I just got a new help then. I told her, I said, I'm not taking them. She said, Ma, you're not taking I said, no, I'm not taking them because I know that where I'm going to, a new set is coming. And I left everything. Right now, the new set has come and the place is growing again. And I'm like, ha, 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 it's time to get rid of this thing. So yes, the cluttering and freeing up space.
for others, those things, people will value them more. And you see, it's a spiritual principle that the, the spiritual always respond to release. And that is what a lot of people don't understand when it comes to giving. You see, we, we've, um, people don't talk about giving much these days because of how it has been abused and all the, the stuff that surrounds it. But you see, that is how the world works. So when you declutter your house, try, if you had asked me, I would have even said to you, try and extend that to furniture and to things and move into a, a clean house. You'll be shocked how quickly to fill up. Mm -hmm. When you give up the hold, you have made you have made room for the new. That's how it works. If you don't what? give up, if you don't give up the old, you will not make room for the new. And heaven will not it will not trigger heaven to 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 have that come to into your life. And what if you don't wait until you move houses again? I mean, mm -hmm. what if you've learned this principle now and you don't wait until, I mean, I don't know how long it will take for you to move out again. You seem to like where you are staying. <laughs> you, even if you buy the whole estate, you will still be there, you know? Absolutely. And, you know? And I pray you buy the whole estate. Amen. Amen. Now, now you, you you get what I'm saying. You you don't need yes, to, to wait. And folks don't, do not need to wait until the, the, um, move you know mm -hmm. before they see the junk and the clutter mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. be aggressive about it i mean people close to me used to always sometimes freak out that ah you're giving that away ah that's brand new ah how you give that away i said is he your own he's not your mm -hmm. own now eh, I'm don't give it to me. <laughs> it's i mean it's so apt and it's so true just keep giving give it out so that we can become a channel we can become a channel i just go through my boys their wardrobe hand over hand over hand over the remaining to church hand over hand over hand over the remaining straight so who wants i have clothes for giving i'm not selling just come and carry and those things matter to heaven just like you have said sir because then heaven sees that this one is a channel we can keep pushing things through but when you receive and you clutter and you hold on to it, they say, ah, there's no space. So this one, on OTD, the road is blocked with load. Let's look for another channel. So, I mean, there's a great lesson in there, what you have shared with us. Remain a channel that is not cluttered in any way and spend time and spend and create experiences with people in your life. Very, very critical. And I know that that's uh, that. flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, sir. That is our elders. Elders are speaking. Spend time more hmm, because no matter how long you live on this side of eternity, God will call us home one day. So create those experiences that people will say, yes, yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, sir, I don't know if you would like to add anything else to the teaching yeah yeah i think teaching is amazing i i i i i trust you <laughs> but uh, would you 
would you have anything from the teaching that you want us to maybe unpack further, even if it's not a question? Um, I was just thinking about Elijah. Why? Elijah, why? There are many ways to make Ahab change. Why did you now say no rain? Why? Why? Kilo day, why? So, I mean, it's something I'll ask him when we get to heaven. Okay, like, how far? Why? Okay, so if I can, um, well, I mean, um, share some thoughts in that regard as, mm -hmm. as it's um, um, uh, because of the situation and why that would have been a major thing, you know, a big thing. Two things. Number one, every um, king back in the day, not in our time, where the president can be living large and the citizens are in penury and they don't care. The health system can be in, in, in chaos. The president will fly out and get the best health care and leave the citizens to die like chickens. Back in the day, and how it is structured, kingship, the welfare of your citizens, is a direct reflection on, of, on the greatness of the president. So, yeah, so in, that's why even the Christianity, we are in a kingdom, the kingdom of God. It is in God's interest that it is well with you. That's why you will see that God will say, I have the thought, I know the thoughts I have towards you. They are thoughts mm -hmm. of good, of not of mm -hmm. evil. So when the, 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 the citizens are nourished and well, it speaks well of the king. That's when the king can come out and walk majestically because everybody is fresh and rosy. And mm -hmm. that is a, a, a statement to every other kingdom. You know, wow. everybody is fresh and rosy. In fact, those kingdoms that are very, very good structures, they have intermarital rules because everybody wants to marry into that kingdom. Mm -hmm. And you notice that the nation of Israel also had some form of restriction, you know, to that. So you will see that a kingdom that is properly run is actually, if you ask me, the best form of government because a, and a king that understands that I my my success is the success of these people mm. i mean if you look at if you arguably one of the best runs countries in this world today they are kingdoms you know mm. they are not just kingdoms they are kingdoms that understand this principle where mm. the king is sleeping is waking up is thinking of the welfare of his people mm. so when you hurt that thing that is responsible for economic activity mm. that will affect the GDP of the nation. You know, you, you know how presidents think these days. They think even if the GDP goes south, before it affects me and my family. I mean, uh, we have that. exactly. You know, how kings think is, is, is different. The kings hmm. if it affects one citizen. That's why Jesus would give examples of shepherds and how if one sheep goes, you know, missing, the shepherd does not sleep mm. until, the, until the welfare of that sheep is taken care of. Mm. That's, how, that's how kingship works. That's why you should, if you have a king, 
that's why if you make your husband king, you can go to sleep because kings will take care of you. They will, they will, the real kings. That is, they will make sure that because their greatness is on the line, their light mm. is on the line, their joy is on the line. So when when Elisha hurt the economic key of the nation, which was rain, is is hitting Ahab where it matters most. That is one. That's on the physical. On the spiritual, the idol Baal that is that the children of Israel are brought into contest with Jehovah claims to be the idol of fertility and productivity and rain. Yeah. So so in fact Elijah Elijah was very mild. You know, he could have said nobody will get pregnant in this land. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) So he was very kind by just staying with economic productivity and the fruitfulness of the land. Mm. Because he was saying this God, I will show you that there's a God in heaven that determines fertility, that determines rain, that determines productivity. There will be no rain except at my word. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so he hits the king where it hurts the most. Mm-hmm. And he hit Baal where... <laughs> where it hurts even more. Yes. Wow. And he couldn't wow. do anything about it. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. I mean, it adds up a lot. It yes, adds up I mean, a lot. so, so even, even though when you now see, I don't know how much time we have, Pastor Morolake, you know, um, <laughs> when, when, you now, when you now see how it also affected Elijah, mm-hmm. the family also affected Elijah, but because Elijah was connected to the kingdom of heaven. The king in heaven needed to take care of Elijah's provision. So Elijah practically removed himself from that economy and activated a, a superior economy. And so, you know, the stream, the, the you know, all the nice barbecue he was having, you know, all the different things you know, that mm-hmm. happened. Which I'm sure you know. Um, yes, sir. And 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 then, ah, so Elijah was very heavy in God's hand, as your people say, and God needed him a lot. Okay, Pastor Morlock, I can't hear you anymore. Okay, Pastor Morlock, I can't hear you anymore. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh So I apologize. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. Now we'll continue as from where we started from. So Elijah was very heavy in God's hand. And that's why God kept feeding him. So I'm praying that as believers, we'll be heavy in God's hand. Regardless of the economy, 
we mm. will be sustained by the economies of heaven. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel like continuing on this on this um, gist. So, but I don't know if we still have the time, sir. Oh, well, um, I'm here. I'm here to serve. You know, <laughs> I'm at your service. Yeah. Okay, you so yeah. during the course of this teaching, right? Joshua, he didn't have to fight for Gibeon because Gibeon had deceived him in the first instance. But Joshua was a man of covenant and he understood covenants. Hmm. And, and he displayed it so vividly because, uh, I mean, the march from Gilgal hmm. to Gibeon, according to what I saw, was about 3,300 miles or kilometers or something and it was uphill oh. with soldiers to go and fight for people that came and deceived you oh. i mean it was just an easy way for him to say to your tents oh ye israel mm -hmm. let the five kings kukuma finish you we, since it's not us that finished you mm -hmm. it is the five kings but he was mm -hmm. a man of principle mm -hmm. he was a man of principle and he understood covenants mm -hmm. he understood why when, when when so i think it was so that that disregarded that covenant, you know, mm. and you know the plague began in his house, you know, you know, it's just what it is, you know, people and people just people are covenant breakers in amazing ways that, <laughs> you know, that um, is scary, you know, um, you know, it's scary, you know, but thank God really for the covenant because. To so I said really scary. I think it was something that um, Pastor Balaji touched on last week. You know, they say, oh, okay, oh, my It's better yeah. not to make a vow than to yeah. make a vow and not fulfill it. Oh. You know, a lot of times when people say, oh, yeah, promise me, promise you, okay. Because old age is coming. I mean, go and forget now. You not come and be holding me in the place of prayer that you promised me, you promised me, and me, I'm saying, I don't remember, I don't remember. So it is better not to make a promise. But because you're a person of principle, you go ahead and make that promise because you know that you have a God who is a covenant-keeping God who will always remind you mm. of the promise you have made. Mm. He will bring it to our remembrance so that you can, you know, keep it even as you have made it. Hmm. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, in the, do we have any online questions? Let me just check. Do we have any online? Okay. So we don't have any um, online questions. So, so over to you, sir. Okay. Just for the house. Let's remember that this is our year of lifting. Lifting. And we are lifted. We are lifted all the way on eagle's wings amen. hallelujah amen amen thank you for listening to this i want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends god bless you